Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I'm going to find a place to fit this in uh, sometime this hour. It's interesting that in China, for instance, or North Korea, the government has to spy on people and put all these cameras and listening devices and web this and that to spy. In the United States, we opt in because we like technology or convenience. Um, And the latest example of how you're going to be on video all the time, stay tuned. And maybe a similar topic, the use of emergency powers by government. The two sides of that coin, the COVID thing, for one, we're all familiar with that. And a city in California has declared a state of emergency over bums and junkies and the crime they bring. Oh, interesting. People, Is that a strategy? People experiencing homelessness. Uh, bums and junkies. You're blaming the victim of capitalism. Junkie bums. So uh, Jennifer C. S-E-Y. Say. Sigh. C. Say. Sigh. Jennifer Sigh, we'll call her. You probably don't know her name. She was an elite youth gymnast and tells a very charming story about uh, going to a, a gymnastics exchange meet thing when she was young in the Soviet Union and bringing uh, five pair of Levi's with her to mm. trade for the Russian Lycra, uh, like uniform stuff for gymnasts, because that was the best in the world at that time. It's kind of a charming tale. Uh, echoes her youth. But she's always been this enormous fan of Levi's jeans. And over the decades, she came to work for Levi's, rose up through the ranks, eventually became the global brand president in the year 2020. Okay, so First woman to hold the post. So she's the one I should complain to about their lack of quality control? Uh, perhaps. Well, if I get three pairs of 33, 32s, they all fit completely different? I wouldn't complain to her anymore. She ain't got the gig. But maybe so, yeah. Um, but so she ascended to this great height. Well, she has resigned. And she lays this story out, and I think it's really worth going through the particulars. In 2008, she says, or she says her advocacy, which she's long been an outspoken advocate for various issues, and it's fueled her rise in Levi's, and it's always focused on kids. In 2008, when I was VP of marketing, I published a memoir about my time as an elite gymnast that focused on the dark side of the sport, specifically the degradation of children. Mm. Um, and she mentions that the gymnastics community threatened me with legal action and violence. Oh. Former competitors, teammates, and coaches dismissed my story as that of a bitter loser just trying to make a buck. Right. There you go. But Levi stood by me. More than that, they embraced me as a hero. Things changed when COVID hit. Early on in the pandemic, I publicly questioned whether schools had to be shut down. This didn't seem at all controversial to me. I felt and still do that the draconian policies would cause the most harm to those least at risk, and the burden would fall heaviest on disadvantaged kids in public schools who need the safety and routine of school the most. You're on the right side of history with that uh, point of view. Here's where it takes a dark, dark turn. I wrote op-eds, appeared on local news shows, attended meetings with the mayor's office, organized rallies, and pleaded on social media to get the schools open. I was condemned for speaking out. This time, I was called a racist, a strange accusation given that I have two black sons. I was called a eugenicist and a QAnon conspiracy theorist. In the summer of 2020, I finally got the call. You know, when you speak, you speak on behalf of the company, our head of corporate communications told me, urging me to pipe down. 
I responded, my title is not in my Twitter bio. I'm speaking as a public school mom for four kids. But the calls kept coming from legal, from HR, from a board member, and finally from my boss, the CEO of the company. I explained why I felt so strongly about the issue, citing data on the safety of schools and the harms caused by virtual learning. While they didn't try to muzzle me outright, I was told repeatedly to think about what I was saying. Meantime, colleagues posted nonstop about the need to oust Trump in the November election. I also shared my support for Elizabeth Warren, by the way, in the Democratic primary, and my great sadness about the racially instigated murders of Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd. Nobody at the company objected to any of that. Then in October 2020, when it was clear public schools were not going to open that fall, I proposed to company leadership that we weigh in on the topic of school closures in our city in San Francisco. We often take stands on political issues that impact our employees. We've spoken on gay rights, voting rights, gun safety, and more. This time, the response was different. We don't weigh in on hyper-local issues like this, I was told. There's also a lot of potential negatives if we speak up strongly, starting with the numerous execs who have kids in private schools in the city. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, I'm confused by that part. Yeah. Maybe they didn't want attention on the fact that the executive's kids in private schools were going to school and Uh. frequently not wearing masks, maybe? Anyway, I refused to stop talking. I kept calling out hypocritical and unproven policies. I met with the mayor's office, eventually uprooted my entire life in California. I'd lived there for over 30 years and moved my family to Denver so that my kindergartner could finally experience real school. National media picked up on our story. I was asked to go on Laura Ingram's show on Fox News. That appearance was the last straw. The comments from Levi's employees picked up about me being anti-science. You want to stop there? I mean, we could spend the next 20 minutes there. (sighs) Anti-science pointing out that kids are not at risk and schools should be open. That's maddening. Okay, I'll go on. About me being anti-fat. I'd retweeted a study showing a correlation between obesity and poor health outcomes. I'm into my own fat. Yeah, no kidding. And me being anti-trans. I tweeted that we shouldn't ditch Mother's Day for birthing people's day because it left out adoptive and stepmoms. I would guess that 98% of the country agrees with that position. Right. And and perhaps the most bizarre, although calling her... uh, Uh, anti-science is pretty bizarre. Um, They also called me racist because San Francisco's public school system was filled by black and brown kids, and apparently I didn't care if they died. They also castigated me for my husband's COVID views as if I, his wife, were responsible for the things he said on social media. All this drama took place at our regular town halls, a company-wide meeting I had looked forward to but now dreaded. Meanwhile, the head of, brace yourselves, diversity, equity, and inclusion at the company, asked that I do an apology tour. I was told that the main complaint against me was that I was, quote, not a friend of the black community at Levi's. I was told to say that I am, quote, I am an imperfect ally. I refused. The fact that I had been asked in 2017 to be the executive sponsor of the Black Employees Resource Group did not matter. The fact that I've fought for kids for years didn't matter. That I was just citing facts didn't matter. The head of AR... I'm sorry, HR personally told me that even though I was right about the schools, that it was classist and racist that public schools stayed shut while private schools were open, and that I was probably right about everything else, I still shouldn't say so. I kept thinking, why shouldn't I? In the fall of 2021, during a dinner with the CEO, I was told that I was on track to become the next CEO of Levi's. 
The stock price had doubled under my leadership, etc. Well, that's the a only thing- big deal. Oh, I know it. I know it. The only thing standing in my way, he said, was me. All I had to do was stop talking about the school thing. But the attacks would not stop. On anonymous trolls on Twitter, some with nearly half a million followers, said people should boycott Levi's until I'd been fired. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Every day, a dossier of my tweets and my online interactions were sent to the CEO, etc. Uh, at one meeting of the executive leadership team, the CEO made an offhand remark that I was acting like Donald Trump. I felt embarrassed and turned my camera off to collect myself. In the last month, the CEO told me it was untenable for me to stay. I was offered a $1 million severance package. All I had to do was sign a non-disclosure agreement about why I'd been pushed mm. out. The money would have been very nice, but I can't do it. Sorry, Levi's. She turned down the million dollars to be able to speak her mind. That is pretty damned impressive. Yeah. One more she thing. is on the right side of history over time. I hope I live long enough to see it. We're going to look back on the shutdowns of the schools and the masking of the kids and a variety of other things as crazy stuff. And and everybody will be in agreement that, yeah, I know, wasn't that crazy? What was going on back then? It must have been, right. people must have been something. Final chilling note, and I recall, was it uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s words that... Um, that uh, I less remember the voices that helped me uh, when I was down than the silence of my friends. Ooh, that idea. Good one. In my more than two decades at the company, I took my role as manager most seriously. I helped mentor and guide promising young employees who went on to become executives. In the end, no one stood with me. Not one person publicly said they agreed with me or even that they didn't agree with me but supported my right to say what I believed anyway. How sick has a culture become when somebody who is backed by the vast bulk of science, by the way, folks, if you're not familiar with this, there are a couple of countries on Earth that have kids in masks at schools right now. I mean, almost none, almost zero. All your vaunted, enlightened European, northern European countries that uh, are showing us the way to socialism, blah, blah, blah. None of them got their kids in masks. None of them. But this woman, woman who said, uh, I think they're right, and the science is, is with me on this. Couldn't get one bit of support. How sick is that culture? It's unbelievable. We're in such a weird place. I think we're in a so much weirder place than people are fully appreciating. Like I was talking about last hour, we're completely at sea on who we want to be president. Completely at sea. Biden is a mistake of history. He was elected mm-hmm. because enough people didn't want Trump. And uh, a majority of Democrats don't want him to be president. I would I would argue that Biden was elected primarily because he's a big nothing. Yeah, so we're completely at sea as to who's going to be a president at a time when we think that all of these problems we've been discussing of political correctness and wokeism and nobody believes anything anymore and we're silent information. We all think all this stuff is going to get fixed by whoever's president of the United States. And we're completely unmoored from any idea of who that will be. Maybe it's because we've assigned such a giant task to them. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense that any human being could do it. But what, what the next several years are going to be like, I have no idea troubled 
Troubled, yeah. Well, <laughs> if yeah, I had to pick a word. I guarantee that word fits, regardless which direction it goes. Anyway, you can always comment on this sort of stuff uh, on our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Show. We have breaking Pervo news we'll get to in just a second. And a quick tip. Uh, buy guacamole. Buy guacamole. Buy avocados. Go buy them. Go buy them. Uh, I, I don't Bef- know. Before the run begins. Here's your breaking Pervo news. Prince Andrew who clearly was flying around with Jeffrey Epstein so he could sex up young women. I don't know if he intentionally was going after under 18 or not, but he just reached an out-of-court settlement over the civil sex assault claim filed by Virginia, however you pronounce her last name, Guffrey. That's the most famous picture from this whole thing. Him standing there looking like a guy in his 50s with some girl who looks like a high school girl because she was. Uh, and then he had sex with her and sweated on her and all that sort of stuff. They've settled out of court. So, you know, she mm. may have done the right thing for her family and future by getting a giant, giant, and I'll bet it's giant check to not take this any further. When you sue a member of the royal family, right. you want to talk about deep pockets, and I'll bet uh, Queen Elizabeth said, you know, I'll stick this scepter up you if you don't make this over in a hurry. Yeah. Exactly. We got a pretty good scam going here. <laughs> uh, Wall Street Journal out with a story that uh, Elon Musk gave $5.7 billion in Tesla shares to charity, charity last year. Whoa. It's one of the things when you're always talking about taxing the rich, rich paying their fair share. Yeah, rich give a hell of a lot of money to charity, and they do a better job with giving that money out than the government does by far. Oh, please. Yeah. Anyway. If you're giving to good charities, they're 50 times more efficient than the government. So this story um, is Tesla-related. It's not a Tesla story, don't, because, you know, I, I know I'm a Tesla fanboy, but it's not really a Tesla story. Although my son turned me on to this website that we were watching at the, at the uh, ski lodge the other night, Wham Bam Tesla Cam, which he had told me about, huh. and I hadn't seen it before. And this is what I'm talking about, how we are uh, taking another step toward the surveillance state and opting in. So the newest Teslas out there have so many cameras for the whole uh, full self-driving mode, and they record. So this website, the Wham Bam Tesla Cam, is recorded footage that people get from their Teslas, because your Tesla, the newest Teslas, when they're driving around, are constantly recording a bunch of different directions in their car. And so there's a website where you can go to and say... Look at this road rage instant that happened because somebody in a Tesla is at a stoplight and you see the car behind them and the car next to them get into a jaw match and one of them spits on the car and the other one gets out and they get in a fight. And then or wow. you're at the next stoplight and you see, uh, you know, somebody run a red light and hit somebody else and then blah, blah, blah. All, all the different things that just happen on city streets being recorded by these Teslas with the latest always recording cameras in front of them and in back of them. And I was telling my son, okay, this is the latest Tesla car that costs $160,000. Every car that is sold will have this in 10 years. Most cars will have it in five years. 
So that means that all the time, anywhere there's an automobile in the very near future, you are on video. Now, maybe you think that's a good thing. I don't. But again, it's the opt-in surveillance state. We've opted in with our cell phones to have tracking devices with us everywhere we go so so that somebody knows everywhere we go. And now we're going to have video footage of anything that happens on any street corner anywhere in America automatically recorded by the automobiles we drive. Do you have any idea how to retrieve that footage? It must be pretty easy. Uh, in fact, when I got in my wreck in my Tesla, the first thing somebody said was, well, look at the video. You'll have that for the insurance company. And I said, I don't have a new enough Tesla. But um, but, but that is that's, everything is going to be on video. There are already cameras in every building and outside every uh, everywhere. Um, and now every car is going to be recording all the time. And apparently it's pretty easy to grab whatever video. I'm not video. proud of it. I'm not proud of it, but I am a sucker for a good road rage video because I always root for the uh, the idiot to get busted oh, or have a rollover oh, wreck. There's and, never it makes me happy when they do. There's never been better video of that sort of stuff than Wham Bam Tesla Cam. It's just uh, first of all, I'm on it. It shows you how many jerks there are in the world. It's just the the number of scumbags there are out there who are willing to get in a fight over minor traffic problems is absolutely unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so we're going to opt into another level of the security state for better or worse. Trump was right. He was spied on. Remember when he made that claim and everybody went crazy? He was spied on. If you haven't heard this story, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. His final target is democracy itself. One of the things that we were trying to explain to the press was this isn't just about hacking and leaking emails. This is about a larger information effort by the Russians. You have a president who, rather than reassuring the American public in American democracy, is trashing American democracy. Every day he's trashing American democracy. It's easy to forget how omnipresent the whole Russian story was during the the 2016 campaign and the Trump administration's first two and a half years. Yeah, as Rich Lowry wrote about it in the uh, New York Post today, uh, it deranged a story that deranged American politics for two solid years. And that's true. That'll be forgotten by history. Yeah, I'd love to hear what Rich is saying, too, by the way. I didn't realize he'd written about this today, but um, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, the Durham investigation in court papers filed in federal court on Friday cited the fact that uh, a couple of lawyers tied to the Clinton campaign had hired computer experts who had government contracts to dig into servers Trump Tower, Trump's apartment, uh, the, the Trump National Hotel, maybe I can't remember, but the White House executive offices. This is after the inauguration. So people tied to the Clinton campaign were delving into, hacking into, if you will, um, Trump computers, including in the White House, to find evidence of him being in bed with Russia, whether it's Russian banks or Putin himself or what have you. Well, Rich Lowry, National Review, his headline in the Post today is, Turns out the real threat to norms was the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, to make it a little less, you know, one side versus the other. This is this is the problem with 
destroying norms or letting people destroy norms is that every side always thinks they can justify why they're doing what they're doing. I'm sure the people in the Hillary Clinton orbit thought, well, this is okay. You know, whether it was using the FBI to spy or spying with their own employees or whatever, this is a different situation. Donald Trump is clearly a bad person and needs to be spied on, so this is okay. Mm-hmm. And right. having a different set of rules for yourself or the media allowing you to have a different set of rules is the troubling part. By the way, the Wall Street Journal today, and they're, um, they're, they're grown-ups. Trump really was spied on by the editorial board. Good. Yeah. Remember when Trump said they spied on me and people went crazy? How does he get to make such a a, a baseless claim with no facts? That, well, now the facts are out. He was spied on. Yeah, actually. No matter uh, what you think of Trump, you can hate Trump all day long and think he was a bad person in all kinds of different ways. Doesn't mean you should be spying on whoever's in the White House at the time. Michael, go ahead and play clip number 12. This is uh, from 60 Minutes in 2020. So the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Well, there's Leslie. no real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes, and we can't put on things we can't no, verify. You won't put it on because it's bad for Biden. We can't Look, put on things we can't verify. Leslie, they spied and, on my campaign. Well, we can't verify It's been totally that. verified. No. It's been, just go down and get the papers. They spied on my campaign. They got caught. No. And then they went much further than that, and they got caught. And you will see that, Leslie, and you know that, but you just don't want to no. put it on the air. No, as a matter of fact, I don't know that. Okay. Oh, the smugness of 60 Minutes, always enjoyable. Uh, Katie McFarlane. Oh, by the way, a lot of folks uh, in the audience are asking, is anybody covering this? No. Well, the Wall Street Journal is, the New York Post is, Fox News is, period. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, I expected them to. Yeah, but even though uh, and a number of people are trying to compare this to Watergate, which is a bit of a cliche, um, but I would suggest to you the initial trying to dig up dirt on Trump was dirty politics, rotten politics. Laws may have been broken, but as usual with this sort of thing, it's the fact that, uh, and KT McFarlane wrote a pretty good piece for Fox News that I think kind of explains these dynamics. Once they lost the election and realized they couldn't quash knowledge of what they'd done, they doubled down and were desperate to prove Russian collusion on behalf of Trump because that was the only thing that would get them off the hook for what they did during the campaign. Uh, to quote KT McFarland, who engages in the whole Joseph Goebbels big lie thing, uh, speaking of cliches, stop it. Everybody stop with the big lie. It's just tiring me out. Anyway, so they fabricated the big lie, claiming that Trump was a puppet of Russian President Putin. Uh, voting for Trump was like putting a Russian asset in the Oval Office. They didn't worry about getting caught since they could bury it once she won, which you remember, was it a week before the election? The New York Times put it at 92% she was going to win. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So Clinton's chief disinformation officer, was, who was also her foreign policy advisor, peddled the story to the press. That's, uh, what's his face, whose name I can never remember, Jake Sullivan. Um, the ratings media or the ratings hungry media was happy to repeat the big lie. They hated Trump with a passion, so savaging him was easy. Then the impossible happened. Trump was elected despite their efforts. Clinton's suddenly unemployed campaign team had to cover their tracks. 
What if someone found out they were breaking into Internet activity and communications of a rival campaign? If the incoming Trump administration ever found out, they'd be in big trouble. It would be worse than Watergate. So they kept digging. It was easy enough to continue hacking into the Trump Tower servers as Trump's campaign office morphed into his presidential transition office. Again, they found nothing because there was nothing to find. They had no choice but to double down on Trump-Russia collusion. So the big lie got bigger. Once Trump and his staff moved into the White House, the hacking efforts moved in with them. Still nothing. Uh, But the lie had taken root in the media, with congressional Democrats, with the intelligence community, even with the FBI. They all launched investigations into Trump's ties with Russia. And then she goes into a little more detail. Congressional uh, Intelligence Committee chieftains like Adam Schiff amplified the claims, pushed for impeachment, uh, uh, whispered uh, chillingly that they had seen secret documents and classified information and the rest of it. And the reason that was pushed so hard was because they knew that if they were found out as the instigators of all this, they'd be in terrible trouble. So, And, and I get, I, I don't like it, but I completely understand um, it's like if if the alphabet networks and the legacy newspapers, if they were to to admit finally, we shouldn't have closed the schools. The lockdowns were completely ineffective. The Johns Hopkins meta study proved that beyond a shadow of a doubt, et cetera. They would be absolutely crapping on their own credibility. Same thing with the Russian collusion that's a, thing. That's a coarse term. Well, these are coarse times. But if they were to openly say, you know what, the whole RussiaGate thing completely false, made up by Hillary campaign. Not only did we buy it, we were incredibly important in promoting the narrative. They would take another crap on their credibility. And please, ah, rough. please don't wave Paul Manafort in my face. Paul Manafort is 18 different kinds of a crook. Did he and crap yeah, on anybody? He'd, be probably get, he'd probably get away with it, too. He was in bed with Russian oligarchs, with Ukrainian oligarchs. He was making money half a dozen different ways. He was crooked as a corkscrew, and, and Trump was a fool to hire him. But the presence of Paul Manafort ain't proof of anything. So it'll be interesting. At the point that Hillary's being frog-marched into Leavenworth, whether the New York Times will cover it. <laughs> Trump! Russia! Bullshit. Oh, Mr. President, I don't want to just be cynical because it's kind of a lazy, easy thing to do, but I never expect anything to come out of any of these big investigations. Just so seldom does anything ever happen. Yeah, nobody's held responsible for what they've done. They're the ruling class, Jack. Benghazi, the financial crisis, just so many things come and go. And you hear about possible indictments and this is an indication of that and just nothing ever happens yep yep or you drag your feet till the next election and then you quash the investigation that's why nothing happens right well this is not about national security this is about personal security the good folks simply safe home security have you ever wanted to know what's happening at home when you're not there you're at work whatever well you got to get this new wireless outdoor camera from Simply Safe. Let you know what's happening from your phone. You look on your phone, alerts you when anyone approaches, so you always know who's there. I love this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. The cameras are so good that you can actually see faces and that sort of stuff. Simply Safe is monitored 24-7 by professionals ready to dispatch police, firefighters, and EMTs to your home. It's less than a dollar a day. You can set it up yourself in around 30 minutes. No long-term contracts. They don't need to rope you in for two years. They, they, they believe the product is so good you're going to stick with it. 
And there's no expensive install, which galled me when we got it done years ago. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just minutes. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off of interactive monitoring with interactive monitoring. Go to SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong to get started. These are nice people. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. The FDA announced they're postponing their decision on the COVID vaccine for young children. So one out of 10 kids out there might not get the shot when they're going to. That's always left out of this story. Practically no parent out there is excited about getting their kid a shot. It just it's statistically true. Look it up. I'm not I'm not taking a side in this, although I have a side. It's just true. 80 percent of kids over the age of six aren't vaccinated. That's funny, I never, ever hear that in this story. Four out of five aren't. And for the littler kids, I'll bet it's going to be more like one out of ten that get vaccinated. So stop acting like the world is waiting for these vaccines to get approved. No, they're not. Most people aren't going to do it. Yep. And one more story from the world of science and politics. Uh, Run out and get uh, guacamole right now and avocados. The uh, U.S. Agriculture Department has banned imports from, I can never pronounce this right, Michoacan, Mexico? I don't know what that is. It's one of the states in Mexico. Uh, Evidently, whether it's cartels or gangsters or somebody, was threatening the U.S. inspectors, inspecting the avocados there, said, if you know it's good for you, you'll pass our avocados. So the uh, USDA is, uh, or the U.S. Agriculture Department has evacuated all of their inspectors and said, all right, we don't want your damn avocados. So they're expecting prices to just skyrocket for avocados. So a number of outlets are reporting the news today that Russia is pulling back some troops in an indication that they might be de-escalating. Peace in our time. Trouble with that story is that Russia that's reporting to that. Reporting that only only <laughs> Russia is reporting that they're pulling back troops. They're the ones that put out the video of them loading troops onto trains and taking them away. Nobody else is verifying that. In fact, other reports are that they're bringing troops in. So who knows what's actually going on? And uh, the attack is still on the table. So you said you learned yesterday or your belief is it won't happen until after the Olympics. Yeah, I'm and I always attach a level of certainty to my predictions. This is 94 percent. There is no way Putin casts a pall on his buddy Chairman Xi's Olympic Games by invading during the Olympics. He's waiting for the day after. I hate to even mention this. I'm only mentioning it so you don't hear it uh, on the playground. Better you hear it from a friend. There is a new Omicron subvariant making its way around South Africa. It's more easily spread than Omicron, but it's even it's as mild or milder than Omicron. But it spreads even easier, which I can't even imagine what that would be because it would seem that Omicron is, if anybody around you has it, you you get it. And by around you, we mean within three states. Right. And uh, there is not surprisingly really very little conversation at all about the fact that nobody wore a mask at the Super Bowl, even though it was triple mandated. And uh, my kids put on masks this morning to go to school in the same state. Mm. It's Just uh, I can't, stupid. I can't think about it because it makes me too angry. It just makes me angry. Oh, I can hit you briefly with Novak Djokovic's uh, his reasoning oh, for not actually, getting the jab. I actually want to hear that. I, mean, I actually want to hear that. That's coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Well, most of the states now, though, are ditching the mask mandates. Uh, but again, here it's spotty. San Francisco, as of this hour anyway, still have the mask. Mand well, in San Francisco, uh, uh, you have to have the mask on when you're shoplifting indoors. <laughs> but, uh, That's awesome. It's <laughs> <is> a good joke. <laughs> And you can get rid of it for your getaway. So, you know, this it's a nuanced thing. That's a good joke. You have to have your mask on when you're shoplifting indoors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. Triple layered mandate over the Super Bowl. Nobody's wearing a freaking mask. I got more on that in a second. But you, yeah. uh, you, I, I, I have been surprised how many people are willing to lose their careers over not getting vaxxed. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm just surprised. I mean, you know, some cases, really good jobs. Uh, in some cases, things you worked really, really hard to get. And you're you're committed enough to not getting vaxxed. You're willing to uh, forego that. Yeah, I'd like to discuss that a little bit. But first, uh, the, the thoughts of one Novak Djokovic, perhaps the greatest tennis player in the world right now, 20 time Grand Slam winner. Withdrew from the, uh, uh, well, was kicked out of Australia. Couldn't defend his title at the Australian Open, which is one of the majors, uh, because he refused to get jabbed. And you have to get jabbed to uh, do your thing in Australia, with very, very few exceptions. And he did an interview with the BBC. You know, I can summarize it really quickly. He says, do not associate me with anything anti-vax. I am absolutely not anti-vaccine. I'm anti-mandate. Mm. Um he says, I've always supported the freedom to choose what you put in your body. And then he makes it clear that, and he's like Tom Brady with a tennis racket. He's like a, a crazy obsessed student of his body, the human body, nutrition, well-being, health, uh, wellness, just all of that stuff. He's obsessive about it. And and it, the idea I wish, of... I wish I was more that way. I had a quarter pounder <laughs> with cheese at McDonald's yesterday. I'm not that concerned about what I put in my body. Yeah, what's the opposite of that? Um <laughs> Anyway, good Lord, don't remind me. Oh, I've been living large lately. Anyway, as a guy who's obsessive about that, he finds the idea of being forced by a government whose reasoning is shoddy at best to stick something in his body. He finds that so abhorrent he can't do it. Mm. And and I know some of you will like that. You know, I... You know, if, if, if the government ordered me not to put my hand on a hot stove, I would refrain from putting my hand on the hot stove, even though an idiot government, for idiot reasons, had mandated, you know, whatever. Um, now I'm going to make my decision independent of that. Otherwise, I feel like I'm being manipulated just in reverse, in a way, if, if you right. know what I mean. Sure. It's, it's not being truly independent. Um, but I get your reasoning, though. I'm, I would never mock your reasoning. Those of you who won't get it just because it's mandated, I don't agree with you, but I respect it. For some reason, that reminds me of the conversation I'm always having about free will in my home. Whereas, uh, well, or, well, tell my, particularly with my 10-year-old Henry, that he's got to do something. And then he says he doesn't want to, have to do it, and I tell him he has to, and here's the penalties if you don't. He says, so I have no free will. So you were telling me is I have no free will. And I say, you do have free will. You still have free will. You have the free will to do what I ask or not. That's still your free will. I'm not taking away. Nobody can take away your free will. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is it possible you're raising the reincarnation of Jean-Paul Sartre or something like that? <laughs> it gets into the most complicated conversations for a... Oh, that's now ten year old. Oh boy. Um, and then with my twelve year old, so we went skiing over the weekend, and uh, every place we went had signs everywhere: mask, man, mask mandate. 
County mandates masks strictly enforced. Nobody wearing masks. We didn't wear masks anywhere. Nobody was wearing a mask. And, uh, you know, and watching the Super Bowl on Sunday, nobody wearing a mask. I think these government officials are really misguided in their belief that this is not going to have long implications for the relationship between rules and the populace. I see it in my own son. He has changed from a guy who always followed the rules. Rules are rules. Rules are made for a reason. We follow the rules. He now sees rules as, why? Why are you saying that? Or do I have to follow this or not? Because he's seen it demonstrated over and over again. Whether it's adults or children, you've made it clear that rules are arbitrary. We don't always follow them. We certainly don't follow them ourselves. You have broken the relationship that a lot of people had with rules. And this will last decades, if not forever. There's part of me that thinks that might be healthy. It might be part of the inhale and exhale of governments. We've talked about how governments always take more and more and more power. Sometimes I think maybe it's healthy if people realize, oh, there are no angels in charge of government. These are not super geniuses with my interest in mind. They're flawed, highly flawed individuals. And uh, please, enjoy my middle finger. How about the fact that they don't apply them to themselves regularly? Right. Great point. That's probably the most demonstrated thing throughout the whole pandemic, is that they don't believe them themselves, or at least they don't feel like they apply to them. Uh, if you miss an hour of the show, you can grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.